Welcome to Breaking Bread with Brother B, the podcast dedicated to helping folks know Jesus and His Word by breaking open the bread of life. Now here's your host, Brother B. Hello, welcome back for week three of Breaking Bread with Brother B. So honored to have you join me for this time of breaking open God's Word together. The concept of breaking bread comes from the story of Jesus revealing himself to some of his disciples after his resurrection on the road to Emmaus, and they did not recognize him until they said until he broke bread with them and opened the scriptures to them and their hearts burned within them and they knew who he was. And that's what I desire for us is that we would break open the word of God together and our hearts would be set afire with a passion to know more about Jesus and his word. And so I'm so thankful. I think we've established an audience now of about 52 people uh, who are joining us in Breaking Bread. And I'm so honored that you would join us. Um, I would like to know if you're listening and benefiting from the podcast, uh, and you can let me know that by joining our Bread Breakers text group. Uh, Every person who joins each week is entered into an opportunity to win a $25 gift card. Uh, It's a monthly drawing. And so you can join that group by texting the word bread to area code 325-440-8767-325-440. TPOS. Just text the word bread to that phone number and it'll ask you for your name and maybe some other information. And if you'll give it at least your name, that'll tell us who it is and uh, we'll be able to put your name in that monthly drawing. Um, We do have a winner of this month's drawing and that is Brother Ira Williams. Brother Ira Williams is the winner of this month's $25 gift card. And so I will be uh, giving that to him when I see him. But I just want to say thank you to each of you that have let me know you're listening and benefiting, and I pray that this podcast is a blessing to you. Uh, Today, I want to talk to us about another how-to lesson. Uh, We've been doing that the last few weeks, Uh, how-to, not just you know hearing a truth from God's Word, but learning how to apply it to our life. And so today, I want to do that uh, from the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 28 through 31. Uh, and this is an extremely familiar portion of Scripture, um, but it deals with a topic that I think is extremely important in this day and age. Uh, most Americans struggle uh, with this topic we're going to talk about today, and that is how to handle stress. Many Americans are emotionally fatigued, physically drained, and spiritually defeated, and the problem and reason for for this is because we are stressed. Maybe many of you, like me, might feel like the chief rat in the rat race of life. There's just too much to do and not enough time in which to do it. But I've come today to let you know there is hope, and it's found in the pages of God's Word in our text, Isaiah 40, 28 through 31. It says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He giveth power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth strength. 
Even the youths shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. This scripture tells us that God never tires. He's never perplexed or confused. Even though the young are not immune to stress, stress comes to every age. It says that the young shall utterly fall. The Bible tells us, though, that those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength and will soar on wings as eagles. Now, there's a few truths I want to bring out from this text. The first one I want you to see is the problem of stress. The problem of stress. And these verses in Isaiah, two categories of persons are mentioned. The first is Almighty God. He is the omnipotent, all-knowing, sovereign Lord of all. Isaiah 40 and 28 again says, Hast thou not known? Hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, fainteth not, neither is weary? So sorry, there is no searching of his understanding. He is immortal, invisible, most glorious, almighty, and victorious. There is not another like him. There is not three persons in the Godhead. He is God almighty by himself. He created the heavens and the earth. He has all power in heaven and earth, and there is no one else like him. The other described in this passage is the rest of us. Isaiah 40 and 29, he giveth power to the faint and to them who have no might, he increaseth strength. Who's that talking about? That's all of us. Every one of us. Every one of us struggle with stress and with a lack of strength, and with feeling faint. Stress is that gap between the demands that are placed upon us and our ability to meet those demands. On one side of our life, there is the responsibilities, the necessities, the demands, and opportunities of life. These are all the things we want to do, we desire to do, should do, and ought to do. But on the other side, are our inabilities, weaknesses, sinfulness, lack of knowledge, and our faults and shortcomings. And in between these two sides is a gap. And they refer to that gap as what is called the stress factor. This is the the chasm between the ought-tos and can'ts that seem to overwhelm us in our day-to-day lives. And so all of us are vulnerable to stress. Stress affects all age groups and every walk of life. Stress has become a real problem in the nation of America. I read a statistic recently. I don't know uh, how accurate it is, uh, but if it's even close to accurate, it should alarm us. And that is that 75 to 90% of doctor, you know, primary care physician visits last year were stress-related illnesses. 75 to 90% of the reasons people went to the doctor last year was related to stress. I know in my own life, even at you know the age of 28, 29, I had bouts with uh, chest pains and, and heart palpitations and things all related to stress. And I'm sure many of you over the years 
have as well. Stress affects all age groups. Uh, even our children are stressed. I'm sure now more than ever with the pandemic and uh, financial uncertainty and kids having to do school from home, they feel that stress. They feel that pressure. Young people are stressed. All of us can feel and experience stress, whether it's from financial uncertainty, brokenness of homes, illnesses, work situations, whatever it is, we can all feel stress. And when we are stressed, and the reason I take the time to talk to us about stress is when we are stressed, we are especially vulnerable to the attacks of the devil. I don't have time to read it to you today, but if you go to Deuteronomy 25 and read it on your own time, verses 16, 17, it talks about a king named Amalek who attacked the children of Israel. And the way he did this, he watched as they were walking through the wilderness and he waited and attacked those who were weak and tired and vulnerable. And by doing that, he was able to pick them off easily. We are more prone to attacks from the enemy when we are weak and tired. We are more prone to arguments and irritations and when we are stressed. Some of the worst arguments I've ever had with my wife were over nothing, and it was because I was stressed. And, and several other examples of how we are uh, vulnerable to attack the enemy. You understand what I'm saying. When you are stressed, it opens you up to be to be angry and sin, like we talked about a few weeks ago, dealing with uh, strongholds and, and, and other strongholds. It opens it up to you. It is not the will of God that we be stressed and sick and tired. And so uh, we're going to look at here how to deal with the problem of stress. So the first truth I want you to see is the problem of stress. Now, I want you to see in Isaiah 40 and 31, the provision of sufficiency. God has provided for us sufficiency. Now, I want you to understand that it is not a sin to be stressed, but it is a sin for us not to avail ourselves of help that is available. For him who knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. If you know that God has given you strength and you're not drawing upon it, that, that can open us up to sin. And so God has given us three distinct promises uh, of how he's going to help us with stress. Isaiah 40 and 31 says, uh, or 40 and 30 says, even the youths shall faint and be weary. The young men shall utterly fall. The verse 31 says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. That first one, they shall mount up with wings like eagles. God has given us wings to fly in the rugged times of life. The Lord uses the example of an eagle because the eagle loves the storm. I don't know if you know this, but the eagle actually waits for the storm. And as the winds and drafts rise, he steps off his perch and he begins to soar. And the faster the winds blow, the higher the, e the eagle rises and soars upon the winds. All of us, no storms and adversity. But we need to learn this lesson that the eagle is trying to teach us that the storm actually can lift us if we learn how to fly with it. The eagle has learned that what causes others dismay is somehow a blessing to him. 
The eagle could not fly as high if it were not for the storm. And since he can fly higher in the storm, he can also, you know, if you know the eagles have excellent vision, so we say, you know, eagle eye, because the eagles have great vision, but the higher the eagle flies, the farther he can see. And so the storm helps him fly higher. It clarifies his vision. He can even fly faster. An eagle outside of a storm can fly uh, a top speed of about 50 miles per hour. But in a storm, the eagles can get as fast as 80 to 100 miles an hour. That is a fast bird. 80 to 100 miles an hour. And so the storm lifts him higher, helps him see further, go faster. And this is something, though, that the eagle, it doesn't come naturally to it. It has to be taught. And neither the eagle nor us may like the flying lessons. But I know this because Deuteronomy 32 and 11, the Lord says to the children of Israel, as an eagle stirreth up her nest, Fluttereth over her young, spreadeth abroad her wings, taketh them, and beareth them on her wings. Now, what does that mean? As an eagle flutters over her eaglets in the nest. Well, it means she makes the nest a little uncomfortable. Eagles' nests, they're huge, and the mom takes great time and care building them to be sturdy and strong. But there comes a point where she begins to flutter over them and begin to make that nest a little bit uncomfortable. And she nudges the eaglets out of the nest to teach them to fly. She knows it's time for you to go. It's time for you to fly. It's time for you to get out. And so sometimes we may think God is cruel when God is really being kind. He's really trying to help us uh, get out there and fly and strengthen us. Sometimes we cannot tell what is happening by outward appearance. Sometimes the storms of life that come to us may be the very thing that God is using to deliver us, help us, and cause us to rise higher. Uh, I heard a message many years ago now, and it was, let your problem push you into your deliverance. And sometimes God is using a problem to push us into deliverance. When the children of Israel came to the Red Sea, I'm sure that looked insurmountable. And I'm sure it looked dangerous when God parted it and told them to walk across. I'm sure they were scared. But God used that impossible situation to drown Pharaoh and his army and to totally set the children of God free from bondage and slavery. And so sometimes our problems can push us into a place of deliverance. So we fly in the rugged times of life, uh, but then we run in the rush of life. Uh, again, Isaiah 40 and 31, they shall mount up with the wings as eagles. Then it says they shall run and not be weary. Now, these are not storms, okay? The storms are where we fly, but these are the deadlines of life. These are the things we need to get done, and we just maybe don't seem to have enough time to get them done. Now, there we say, well, I don't have enough time in every day. But there is enough time if you are prioritizing your time according to God's plan for your life. There is enough time in every day to do everything that God wants us to do. We should not insult God by saying that we don't have enough time. Uh, but sometimes we might have to run to get it done. I think of Acts chapter 8, where the Lord called Philip uh, and told him he had a a person he wanted him to go and preach to. And all of a sudden, in the midst of that desert, there came a chariot, probably running at a pretty good rate of speed. And the Lord said, go talk to that eunuch. 
and Philip probably had to run and catch that chariot. And sometimes to do what God wants us to do, we might have to run to get it done. But if we run with God, we will run and not be weary. I'm reminded of the uh, sportscaster I heard one time uh, talking uh, about somebody running. He said, they run like a gazelle. He said, I I know somewhere in the world every morning uh, a gazelle wakes up and thinks today I've got to run as fast as I can to to, to live and keep a lion from eating me. And a lion probably wakes up and thinks I've got to run as fast as I can to catch my dinner. And we need to run like that gazelle because sometimes uh, Satan, well, not sometimes, all the time, Satan is like a roaring lion on our trail. But if we're running with God, we will get the things accomplished that God wants us to, and we will outrun the enemy. And so we run in the rush of life. We run where we need to we run with God. We run with patience. We we do what God has called us to do, and we will not grow weary. And then finally, it says that they shall walk and not faint. So we fly in the rugged times of life. We run in the rush of life, but we walk in the routine of life. Walk and not faint. God will give us the strength to walk in the routine of life. Most of us have the most trouble just in the routine times of life. It's in the routine times of life where most of us fail. It is most important to learn to walk in the routine of life because this is where we live almost all of the time. It's one thing to fly like an eagle, to run like an athlete, but it's another to stick and to stay day by day. We serve God by flying in the hard times, running in the happy times, but we also have to walk day by day and just the regular humdrum times of life. And so the great need we have is day by day faithfulness, faithfulness in the little things, faithfulness to walk and not faint. Deuteronomy 33 and 25 tells us of the children of Israel, the Lord said, thy shoes shall be iron and brass, and as thy days, so shall thy strength B. What was he saying? Well, he was saying the children of Israel went from Egypt to Canaan. But he said, I'm going to help you. Your shoes are going to be strong like iron and brass. And you're going to do this by walking one step at a time. There were rivers, there were valleys, there were mountains, there were difficulties, but they just had to keep walking. Paul tells us in the book of Ephesians over seven times that the Christian life is a walk. And we have to walk by faith and not by sight. We may not understand what God is doing, but we have to keep walking. Victory is all day, every day. Good days, bad days. It's simply continuing to walk in the Christian life. It's getting breakfast in the morning, dressing the children, going to work, cleaning the house, taking the garbage out, doing your daily Bible study, quiet time, prayer, visiting the sick, being kind to your spouse. It's the routine Christian things of life. And if we can live the Christian life at home, then we can live the Christian life anywhere. And God provides for us so that we can do all of these things. In times of adversity, we can soar like an eagle. In times of opportunity, we can run like an athlete. In times of necessity, we can, uh, in times of necessity, we keep walking day by day. 
but we have to learn endurance. There is a provision to all of this. And so the last thing I want you to notice is the promise of strength. Okay, the Lord promised the strength. He said, you'll mount up wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. But there's a provision to that that we have to do. And that is wait upon the Lord. The Hebrew word for renew, he says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. That word renew means to change or exchange. The Christian life is not only a changed life, but is an exchanged life. We give him our weaknesses and he gives us his strength. Galatians 2 and 20 says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. In order to live this exchanged life, we are to wait upon the Lord. Waiting does not mean simply sitting and doing nothing. It does not mean inactivity. But in order to get the strength to fly like an eagle, to run like an athlete, and to walk day by day, we must wait upon the Lord. Waiting is the key to the whole thing. So what does it mean to wait upon the Lord? And this is going to be real quick. But number one, we must desire Him. We must long for Him. We must long for him. Psalm 62 and 1 says, Truly my soul waiteth upon God, from him cometh my salvation. When David wrote this psalm, he was in a time of stress and distress, and he knew that only God could satisfy his deepest need. And if we want relief without wanting God, then we are not waiting upon the Lord. Okay. Uh, second, so first we long for him, but second, we must listen to him. Proverbs 8 and 34, blessed is the man that heareth me, watching daily at my gates, waiting at the post of my doors. We wait for the instruction of the Lord. We wait expecting to hear from the Lord. Uh, this is about quiet time. There must be a quiet time and alone time we have with God, watching daily at his gates, waiting to hear from him. We must be tuned in to what his spirit would say to us. So we must listen to him. Then we must look to him. Psalm 104 and 27. These wait all upon thee that thou mayest give them their meat and due season. Let me ask you, do you believe that God will take care of you? Just like the animals in the forest look to God to give them their food and due season, we must look to God for our daily provision. Do you truly believe that God can meet your needs according to his riches and glory. Do you look to God or are you looking somewhere else? That is a source of stress. You have to look to God. You have to believe that he can provide and wants to provide for you if you will, but ask him. We must look to him. And then finally, we must uh, live for him. Proverbs 27 and 18, whoso keepeth the fig tree shall eat the fruit thereof. So he that waiteth on his master shall be honored. When we wait upon the Lord, we are here to serve him. Just as a waiter or waitress in a restaurant we waits upon their customers, we wait, we serve the Lord. But if we are not serving him, if we are not living for him and looking to him and longing for him and desiring him to be a part of our life, why would God give us more strength for us to serve the devil or to serve our own fleshly desires? God wants to give us strength 
to help us to serve and honor him. And if we wait upon God, that he will renew our strength and the gap of stress that lies between our responsibilities and our inabilities will be removed. He will take our nothingness and infuse it with his almightiness when we learn to wait upon him. So in order to fly like an eagle, run like an athlete, and walk like just a routine human, we must wait on God. We wait by longing for him, listening to him, looking to him, and living for him. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you were blessed by this lesson. We would love to have you connect with our church, the Pentecostals of Smyrna, the Church of the Open Door. You can connect with us online at tpos.church or in person at 1301 Plaza Drive, Smyrna, Tennessee. That's 1301 Plaza Drive, Smyrna, Tennessee. And remember, the Lord is good and so are His people.